0: Here, creating Black History Month with Foucault and these great panelists we have today. Um, we have Miss Crystal Patterson from North Miami, a director. We have Miss Cristilla Miles, a director with Houston, Texas, from Houston, Texas. Sorry about that. We have Mr. Marcus Johnson, Four Lee, hey Southern California. And we have Mr. the the code enforcement man of the year in South Fulton, uh, Mr. Brian Morris. What are You guys doing this morning?
1: Doing uh, well. Doing great. Doing great. Doing great. Doing
0: great. Well, we're here celebrating back his history, month, But I wanted to also get I wanted to I wanted to see your side of the story on let me say this right. I wanted to I wanted to get your input and tell us your success stories as a minority in the business, the building division, and building department, or your organization, Miss Patterson. Can you tell us a little bit about your history as a director, uh, North Miami, and your success stories coming up? Sure. Anymore. So,
2: um, I well, good. Well, first of all, good afternoon, everyone, and happy Black History Month, first and foremost. Um, it is a pleasure to be with you guys this afternoon, um, and um, and and you know, being given the opportunity to kind of share a little bit on um, you know my experiences, I would say that um, for me, um, I think it's. I guess my journey in in North Miami has um, been pretty historic in that um, I don't know that we've ever had um, a minority person run our code division. In addition to that, I don't know that we've ever had a female um, minority run the division. Or run the department, rather. Excuse me. So, um, I would say that you know it's been pretty—it's been pretty historic um, for me. Oh, I
1: think we lost
0: it. Well, she
2: Are you able to hear me and see me?
0: I think we lost you. Sorry about that, Ms. Patterson. are, are you still there?
2: I'm here okay we can hear you okay good sorry i don't know what happened um but i would say that you know um i um i spent some time um i've shared this story before um i spent quite a few years in my career as an investigator um doing the the boots on the ground type work um i was always very passionate about law enforcement on some level um at one point i thought i wanted to be a police officer um and then i i realized through my it seems like i'm getting like a little bit of an in and out
0: yeah i think we keep losing you um the last part we heard you you wanted a police officer at one point
2: yeah so i would say that you know i that my journey kind of started there i was boots on the ground and then as time would have it um, I was able to, um, put myself in position to get into management and leadership. And like I said, um, you know, it's been a very challenging, um, journey. It's a bit, it's been a very rewarding journey. Um,
0: Uh well, I think we have some technical difficulties.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure why it's, it's literally just blanking out and coming back
0: on. All right. Do you want to, um, you want to stand by and get that situated and we go to the next panel? Sure, sure, sure.
2: Okay.
0: Well, I always like to start with ladies first. Miss Miles, I, Ms. Christilla Miles, Houston, Texas. I definitely want to hear, hear your story. Um, we definitely, I see you on a lot of panels. Um, a lot of diverse panels, and we love that in our in our division. Please tell us about your story, ma'am. Um, how did you get started in code enforcement, and um, come to the come to become one of the the the, the leaders, um, leading forces in women, one of the, the the leading women in this in this in this <laughs> profession.
3: <laughs> okay, no problem. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey, you did a wonderful yeah. job of announcing my name, Christy. Luss. You did good. It means Christ like <laughs> first. So I got a lot to live up to. First of all. That's my mom and my auntie's name, Long Life. Hey, I'm blessed. But um, I want to make a small correction. I am not the director. I'm actually um, one of two division managers here for Department of Neighborhoods and Protection Services. Um, I got my start back in 95, 96, stomping grounds with the city of Grand Prairie. That's in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex Um, at that time. I transitioned from being a senior municipal court clerk at the jail, working at the bond desk, You know, supervising four or five ladies, um, dealing with attorneys coming in, trying to make bail and get arraignment for their clients. And so I saw this job, the grand period said, hey, we need a code enforcement officer. I said, okay, they paying more money, more <laughs> money, less work. That's why I went. Seriously, be, this is honest conversation. I said, these people can pay me more money. I have less work to do and less responsibility. At least that's what I thought it was when I got over there. I just saw the dollar signs. So I went over to this department. They put me on the direction of a a gentleman named Mike Foreman. Mike Foreman used to run all the salvage yards. him and Joseph Graves, and substandard structures. And so I was like, kind of the first female to go up under their guidance. And of course, there was a system in place, quote unquote, good old boy system. You got a woman following you around, and believe me, she don't have any idea how to deal with substandard structures. So at that time, I was learning stuff from him. Me being the person I am, my mother who she is, she was like, Christy Lynn, you can do anything. She instilled a lot of values in me. She and my dad, Charles Edward, believed that if I wanted to do something, go ahead, baby girl, go on and do it. He said, the only thing that you have to worry about is if you didn't do it, if you, if you failed. And so he never viewed it as a failure. He said, you made an effort and that you tried. So my story is one of victory, not of failures. So um, over the years, I, I learned a lot of things. I started at the bottom. I'm on my way to the top, I'm not where I want to be right now. But hey, I'm going there. There's a plan in action for me. Everything that I do, I'm intentional. You have to be intentional about the steps you make, about the decisions that you make. So right now, is just a milestone. I'm currently the division manager, and I know I have a lot to go. Houston is the fourth largest city in the United States. We got over 2.5 million people that we service. So, of course, you have to have some sense of, of dealing with people, communication skills. I love people. And if anybody knows me, they know that I'm a realist. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to have a good time, but you're going to do what I ask you to do. Because I study my craft. And so in order for me to study my craft and be good at it, I have to know what I'm doing, exercise it, and also have empathy when I'm dealing with citizens. Because I don't want anybody to think that I'm above reproach and that I'm better than them. Because I've started from the bottom. I can identify with them and say, hey, you know what? I noticed you got this going on at your property. But guess what? We can work together and come to some resolution. Over the years during my tenure as a code enforcement officer, I've had the opportunity to supervise animal control. You know, work on a number of boards, be active in Code Enforcement Association of Texas. I currently have a seat at the table with Texas Department of License and Registration. So I have a say-so on how our craft is growing. At times, I have to exercise patience. Because, you know, as a female in this industry, sometimes they can say we can be a bit headstrong. People kind of take us a little different than y'all men. Y'all got all this machuism and hey, you got all this other stuff going on, but as a woman, sometimes we have to demand that our presence be known and that we are forced to be reckoned with. So my goal and my journey has required me to learn as much as possible. You know, every day is a learning experience. You know, from basic code to intermediate code to code two, code three, to supervisor, and now to the executive level. You know, in this job, you have to love what you do. You have to have a great attitude. You have to come to work with the sense that every day I'm learning. And also, doing this journey, it can be very difficult as a woman, you know, because you're dealing with the different classifications of people and the different cultures. And so, sometimes when you're dealing with different cultures, they're like, that's a woman. She ain't got no business knowing anything about um, construction. What's a P-trap? hey, what's up, here uh, and being Foundation. We don't have any business in the eyes of the general public of knowing certain terminology. So I make it my best to know these things. That way I can sit back sometimes and just say, hey, okay, I'm going to let you talk for a minute. I've been on occasion where we've been in, in meetings and I'm the only woman, and I had a gentleman tell, tell one of my coworkers, hey, you got the little girl sitting right there with you. Why not you tell your secretary to take notes? And so the young man who was in a meeting, he started laughing, he said, she's not the secretary, she's the boss, that's my boss, man. (laughs) So, you know, a woman in this profession um, can, can face adversity on a different level. You know, when you go out and you go to your construction sites and you get out the car, people normally go straight to the man, they cling to his presence. But as a woman... You know, we have a different way. We're, we're more nurturing. We're able to get more compliance in this area of expertise because, guess what? We have a heart for the public. So, my journey has been my journey and my journey alone. I've had the influence of some wonderful people. Wonderful people. And I tell you, people in the business, I work with Mr. Bean on several occasions. Cecilia has called me. Cecilia is wonderful. Got to meet Pete. You know, so of me growing as a code enforcement officer daily is a must. It's mandatory. I get to meet wonderful men like you all. I get to meet great gentlemen who who back you up and say, hey, let's sit down and have a battle of the minds. Let's sit down and brainstorm. Let's do whiteboard sessions. Let's work together and see what we can do to make our community better. So me in the field of code enforcement, it's it's been a job. Believe me, it's hard sometimes. It's hard because when you're working in local government, you're faced with politics. People view you a certain way when you come in. You see a natural female right here with a short haircut, and I'm confident in my abilities. You know, I, I don't want people to think that, hey, she's boastful, she's vain, she's arrogant. No, I'm confident, because I know what I know, and you can't take it from me. I've always had the attitude that— um, If you give me a job to do, I'm not the lady to say, I I don't want to do that. That's not in my my box. That's not in my job description. Guess what? Miss Chris going to do it because Miss Chris going to learn some stuff and she going to know it. That way, if you step away from it, I'm going to maximize that opportunity. You're going to come back and use Miss Chris again. So my journey has been my journey alone. You know, I've been, you know, a lot of people don't discuss religion and politics. Mine is to be faithful to do the task that's been assigned to my hands and do it to the best of my abilities. Uh, I can always tell people this, you know, somebody had to set the foundation for me. My job when that foundation has been set is guess what? To make that grow and multiply. Just like I'm setting the foundation for others. So if I set that foundation, I expect you to go in and make it great. So any opportunity that I get working in his field, anything that I put my hands through, I try my best to make sure that I make it work, I make it great. And I make it where the next person that comes behind me can do it, too, and put their own taste or their own twist to it. So, you know, code enforcement can be very difficult. It can be a difficult job, but it doesn't have to be. If we do it um, because we love it, we're dealing with the community, we have empathy, and you know your craft. So I don't want to take too much time today because y'all know this is a short short stream that we're doing, uh, celebrating Black History Month. Like I said, there's others who've been before me who did it, and they paved the way for me. I'm grateful. We're talking about like your Bill Hills and the city of Grand Perry, who was one of the founding fathers for Code Enforcement Association. We're talking about your Benette Murphy, who was one of the first black female supervisors over in Grand Perry in that Code Enforcement Division. So these are the type of people that you know, I adhere to, that I speak to, you know, they made others great off of their back. So I'm hoping that one day I'm able to leave a legacy where the people that I mentor now or the people that I contact, uh, come in contact with, I leave a lasting impression on them. If anybody's ever read my business course, my business course always say I'm striving for excellence. I don't ever want to be me. Everybody know what me is. Mediocre. Why be mediocre? Let somebody else have a job y'all be excellent
0: so that's kind of my spew. Miss Miles we really appreciate that um you are excellent especially you, you said a mouthful you're leaving a legacy for for the women as to follow in your path I mean you, you definitely are, are leaving a legacy uh, we definitely appreciate you Miss Patterson are you still there? Ms. Patterson, I think Ms. Patterson may be having some technical difficulties. We're going to move on to Mr. Brian Morris, uh, city of South Fulton. How are you today, sir?
1: Yes, sir. Can y'all hear me?
0: Yes, sir, man. I I think I was on mute. I was a little bit of on Miami. Okay. Tell us us a, a little bit about Mr. Brian Morris and how did you become... The the to, you, you have interim director, but brother, you're the director of yeah. code enforcement and cell you food. So I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> direct, I'm
1: gonna give you that director. I'm gonna give you that. that thank you, sir. <laughs> we are going we, don't, we don't speak it into into existence as yeah. as if it were. And I think uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll go with that. So uh, first of all, man, I wanna I wanna take the time to appreciate um, everybody here, and uh, appreciate Four Leaf and and you, Anthony and Pete for. Putting this together because it's it's very very important that we, you know as we were saying a little bit pre, uh, prior to the show is that, you know nobody understands code enforcement is is, other than people that have done it, and so to to be even in a in a virtual room, of people that have accomplished so much in the field and people that I look up to, and that are just representing it is so well it's just a blessing to be able to do that so. You know, I, I tell Pete all the time that that him and some of, you know, the Marcus Kellums and the Kelvin Beans and you know, you guys are like the kind of like the Mount Rushmore when it comes to this to this code enforcement thing, man. And uh, so I'll just be kind of brief and kind of sum up how I got into it. Uh, to be quite honest with y'all, just similar to Miss Miss Miles, I kind of I fell into it by accident. You know, so I was in business. I was an entrepreneur. Um, I was in all types of different, you know, real estate and construction and management. And I got, um, you know, I was affected negatively by the real estate crash in 07, 08. And frankly, I needed a job, you know, I needed to have my, just got married, you know, had a family on the way. So I needed a job and code enforcement was, you know, something that kind of fit with my skill set. And it was just—it was meant to be for me something temporary, something that I could just kind of get into and stabilize, and you know, get my family going and things like that. And what it what it materialized into about a year or two in, you know, um, I just started to get a passion for it. I started to see a purpose in it. You know, I saw Marcus Kellum uh, do a couple of uh, trainings down in Gates, and and you know, this is the importance—we're talking about Black History. This is the importance of representation because what I saw. Uh, when I when I saw people like him was, I said, well, look, that's how it's done. You know, from a professional standpoint, um, being able to articulate the, the codes and the laws and the different ordinances, and to be able to have the different skill sets that it takes to do this job. This is one of the most demanding, what I found out through my course of time, is this is one of the most demanding and um, skill-based professions out there because, you got to wear many different hats. You know, you got to know zoning. You have to know uh, legal, police, fire, engineering, uh, public works. You have to deal with all of these different facets of government, right? And and that's just the that's just at work. But when you're out in the when you're out in those streets, as y'all see me, we 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 right here, South Fulton, we're city of Atlanta. Y'all see that flag, that Falcons flag flying proudly behind me. Um, but when we out here in these streets, we have to be guidance counselor, you know, we have to be, you know, friend, we have to be the enforcer, you know, at times, um, Ms. Miles mentioned you have to have that empathy when I'm dealing with my, with my aunties and my grandmothers out here in these streets that I'm, I'm it's, it's different, you know, but when I'm dealing with somebody that may be of a different background, we have to bring a different element to it. So you have to wear so many different hats and be so versatile um, in order to get this done. And not to mention the the political aspect of it because code enforcement is very political. I I do wanna, um, I I had this thought the other day and I've often talked to my team about this, is that while we're talking about black history, often look at code enforcement as enduring the same types of struggles in a sense. And what I mean by that is that um, many times we are put on a different level than different departments, whether it's police, fire, public works, it's kind of, you give it to code and we end up taking a lot of heat and a lot of issues and a lot of assignments. But oftentimes that respect is not reciprocated to the level of work that we do, oftentimes. Thankfully in the city of South Fortin, I, I feel different. It's one of the cities that does recognize and, and gives us the resources that we need, but that's not often the case. So many times code enforcement is like a second class citizen when it comes to even in our own cities and our own organizations around the state and around the country, we're fighting for those. We have to fight twice as hard work, twice as hard to get half of the resources and in some cases the respect. So um, I just see those two similarities when it comes to code and what we're here to represent right now is you know minorities, you know, definitely for the for the you know African Americans and for the for the female minorities as well that have to fight that fight twice. So hats off, hats off to y'all and hats off to us for just continuing to, to shine a, a positive light on this great, great profession.
0: Appreciate that, Brian. Um, so, I totally agree. We deal with so many different things um, in the community. And it's diverse communities etc um, and training is needed as well with that i mean it's definitely uh, uh, you, you said a mouthful with that man we're given so many different tasks and sometimes you, you have to be well versed to deal with them um, a lot of inspectors are not uh trained in, in, in spanish um, but i remember when i was at the city of south folks and then we we came up with the inspection sheet that had that had spanish on it so a lot of times when you're dealing with different communities man if you have to be well-trained, like you said, Brian. Definitely. Uh, we're gonna try to get Miss Patterson back on. Um, I think she's she's having some difficulties, but we're gonna give a break uh, for her. Um, next, we have uh big man in charge, uh, our boss, last but not least, um,
4: Mr. Marcus Johnson with Four Leaf. Man. Man, give me all kinds of big mm-hmm. ups, but I just, I just kind of just walk around and show up and hold the coffee cup, really. How do you, how do you, how did you become, um, um in your I, kind of, I kind of, uh, like everybody, we just kind of fell into it. I, out of high school, I had kind of a, or my father actually was like, Hey, why don't you become a building inspector? And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it means, but okay. So. Grab the books, right out of high school, it's easy to study for a test. Study for some tests, got, got some certs. Great, <laughs> what, what else do I do? Started applying at cities. Um, a Competitor hired me, said, hey, why don't you become a permit tech? All right, I don't know what that is, but I'll do it. <laughs> Send me to a city, sitting down, and they go, since you got certs, you get to answer code questions for everybody, for the plan checkers, the inspectors, and they put a little, little, little metal stool up front, and said, here's the code books, answer some questions. Um, I could barely, <laughs> I barely knew it was in the book and I not, i don't know what a P-trap was. I, all I know is the book says it's this. I never seen it in real life. I had very little construction experience, but I remember seeing correction notices and the way, the way different people and experience, you know, some some people are electricians and they have a little bit tighter information. So seeing that different information from from all kinds of different inspectors, plans examiners, um, and having an answer for them actually helped me out helped me out a whole lot. And I sat at that stool for a good three or four years, not even being in the field. And finally, they go, "You get to you're an inspector. You get to go in the field. Happiest day. One of the happiest days of my life." I'm like, "I ah, get out of the office. Get out of the office." They send me they send me to some sites, and it's it's a different ball game out there in the world, man. <laughs> when you get out there, it's it's like whoa. You gotta you, you gotta know what you're looking at, but you also need to uh, know how to administer the code. Um, now nowadays, I say there's there's very little black and white in the code. Um, if you want to get for, f- pretty far in this career, you have to know how to administer the gray. You need to know how to administer the exceptions. You need to know how to basically how to get to a yes answer. With, and still getting your, your code compliance. Um, like everybody else on the panel said, it's like you, you hold a lot of different hats when you go to somebody's house, you have to have, have the right personality, the right, the right words, the right approach to, to help that person. Um, because ultimately we're there to help them. We're not, we're not there to, we're not there to throw them out of their house. We're not there to, to make their 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 life any harder than it is, we're, we're here to help. We're here to help. There's some there's some type of issue we're trying to get to, getting them to resolve it. And and like like one of the other panelists said, it's you're a counselor, you can be a financial a financial advisor. Sometimes you're you're even a contract trying to figure out how to how to make this thing work. Like, hey, the cheapest thing is knock this down. The the, the easiest thing is go get X, Y, and Z. Um, so that's my my kind of trajectory. I just took whoever wanted to teach me anything there there's, I met a lot of good people in the, in, in the industry. Um, if anybody wanted to teach me anything, I didn't care what it was. Um, if somebody wanted to teach me how to, how to, how to look at a pool plan, I was a sponge and and I've kind of continued my career that way. Um, I've, I've learned a lot of tasks that, that, that people don't want to do. And that's kind of, how I ended up doing a doing some code enforcement. That's how I ended up doing mobile home enforcements and, and other stuff. Is nobody wanted to do it, but hey, I'll, I'll do it. It's something. It's something to do, and I just like learning. Um, so the trajectory I, I moved up and down the state of California. Um, then I got a little got a little bored in the in, in the jurisdictions, and uh, that's kind of when I hooked up with Four Leaf and, and some of the some of the consultants about like, hey, you you have an ability to look at kind of bigger projects have a bigger audience and um, and since then i i've i've loved every minute of it I, I have the the platforms and the abilities to to hire bring in people and and it's nice to to be able to give people opportunities i i've i know in my personal personal um, experience i've i've been able to you meet people and they have the right intangibles maybe they don't know code maybe they they've never been an inspector, but they have the person that the right personality traits they are eager to learn. they have all the intangibles it's just it's just you know putting a little bit of time and investment into it and that's that's one thing that that has always been super important to me is is there's there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of circumstances out there, but everybody just needs a little bit of a sometimes a nudge like hey i I know a lot of inspectors that. Maybe have a little bit of issue taking the test. And they, they, um, you know, you you fail at ICC tests, and 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 people feel, you know, it's it sucks, it sucks. But I tell them, hey, nobody nobody asks how many times you took the test. They just ask you if you have your certification. And I've even, I think in our office, I know Anthony's seen it. I posted uh, posted my plan check certs a couple times where I, where I, I had to take it a couple times, and I go, don't be discouraged. It happens. I go. It's a revolving. It's a revolving set of information, but but it's it's part of the process to get where you need to go, and and so just just now I'm really I'm really happy that I'm able to help people kind of further their careers. Um, I have the platform the platform to do it now, and it's like bringing bringing Anthony, bringing Pete on, and and I really saw the need for for the code enforcement realm to be kind of highlighted. It's like, like y'all say, we're all like the stepchildren. We take, we take whatever, whatever weird program, whatever political, political thing of the day is smoking ordinances or whatever. Hey, you know what? Code enforcement will do it. Most of the time, we go. I have no clue how to get there, but we'll figure it out. Um, getting the resources is another issue, but I think with us highlighting, highlighting the profession, highlighting the people in the industry, and it's nice to see people across the nation. That are doing that are doing good things that are that are that are out there making a difference it's it's one thing that that just like it, it brings joy to my heart um I know early on in my career I went to a lot when you go to a lot of training and, and especially down here I didn't see too many people that look like me at the trainings I didn't see people in my age range um so I remember going I don't I don't necessarily know if this is maybe maybe for me I like I like what I do I, I like I like interacting with people like helping people but i didn't know if it was for me um but then like boards like this panels like this where you can see people everywhere that they're that are doing it um is 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 awesome and and i'm glad that that anthony and pete kind of put this together so we can kind of highlight the successes Uh, we all hear about the bad things and i know we'll probably talk about some of our some of our struggles but it's it's also great to hear that that it can, you can make it, you can get through it. You can, you can get to where you need to be. And, and there is success out there.
0: I'm muted, sorry. Appreciate that Marcus for that. Um, I, I don't know you guys can hear me, but I appreciate that. So that was awesome. Um, definitely uh, inspire us all um, in, in, your, in your role and, and thank you for giving us this platform uh, to celebrate Black History Month in our profession. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Ms. Miles, as a female in this profession, um, how do you strive to bring more females on in the profession? or well, not just females, but how do you guys strive to push in your division?
3: The 80 some odd different cultures um, that we normally deal with here. In order to maintain the diversity, we look for the best qualified. You know, that, that's what I always look for. Like yesterday, I was conducting interviews for a, a supervisor. We need three new supervisors. Uh, normally, what I do is look for who's the best qualified, who is a good fit for our organization, who's teachable. You know, sometimes you got people with all these certifications under their belts and they have a negative attitude or they got all these degrees and don't have any common sense and they're not a good fit based on their personality. So I always take that in consideration uh, when we are looking for new applicants or new talent. That's what I call it. New talent. You know, I, I look for people who think outside the box. Who's not afraid to step outside of that box and say, you know what, this is going to be great. I know this is your normal process. Let me find out what your past history and your best practices were and let me help you be great. I look for unselfish people, you know, to provide diversity. Anytime you're in a room with people and everybody thinks the same, guess what, you're not going to grow. I, I I need somebody who is a little bit of what we want to call a hellcat, who's going to ruffle our feathers and make us feel a little bit uncomfortable at times and, and be the devil's advocate so that we can continue to grow. So me, diversity is a big thing because I feel like even though we don't always look alike and we don't always think alike, we do have value. And you bringing that to the table is just going to make us a better organization. So to me, diversity is a must we have to be open-minded, uh, we have to understand um, the other person's culture and their backgrounds, and we have to be able to um, surrender to them so that we can continue in our process.
0: Thank you. Ms. Patterson, are you there? Okay, she's I'm here, can you hear me? Yes, we
2: can hear you now, gotcha. Oh, yes. Oh, you know what, before I even start, I will- want to just say um, my colleagues on the panel mentioned a whole lot of amazing characteristics and traits you need to have to be in code enforcement. I add adaptability to that list <laughs> because of my technical issues today. Um, you know, I literally uh, didn't anticipate having these challenges, but I appreciate the adapt, you know, us being all of it. Um, um, but as to not, you know, just my, my, I wanted to just kind of continue to finish up what my journey um, in the the, the industry has been like in terms of diversity and inclusion. Um, I think it's important to know left off at prior to my my technical issues was that, um, you know, what my specific journey like. like. I, I, much like everyone else mentioned, climbed ropes like everyone else, I had a desire for law enforcement. I didn't really know much about code enforcement. However, um, despite being in the industry, serving a different capacity, I eventually learned and became more familiar with what the role was, um, and um, recognized that um, you know my desire was really there. Um, but as but to be more specific in terms of um, you know diversity and inclusion a point and expressing some thought around, um, you know, being the first minority in my jurisdiction as well as the first um, um, woman to run a code enforcement department in my jurisdiction. And I think that um, it's really, really important because um, I can recall times where people would ask questions like, do you really want to do this? Are you? Like, what is you in this? Like, I I called you know my male counter and surprise and um oftentimes taken back that i had this desire um to you know fill the role that i currently fill and i think that you know there is um where you know there's a beauty in the struggle there's certainly struggle um when you're trying to come into you know go up the ropes um and specifically as a as a woman and, you know, more so as a female, um, as a female, as a minority. Um, and so I, I definitely wanted to make mention that I would say that, you know, that um, you know, my jurisdiction um, is a heavily populated immigrant uh, community. Um, we do have, you know, uh, both, um, you know, kind of all walks of life, but we do have immigration Im, immigrate immigrant population, excuse me. Um, may not know, but um, as background would have it, you know, I am um of Haitian American descent and the community that I serve is a Haitian culture. And so even in, in with that said, you know, it's powerful to me to be able to serve a community in in, in which I've grown up in and um, and that I've been able to, you know, um resource the knowledge that I have in my capacity, in my official capacity, able to serve, I recognize that as a public service. Um, you know, a number one priority is service. Um, and as you know, the head of the, I recognize that that has um, become even more of my role. Um, you know, identifying. You know, we're not um, filling in the gap where we're not, you know, um, operationally successful at meeting the needs of those that are underserved and underprivileged. Um, you know, um, oftentimes there's times where we run into single moms and, you know, different situations that affect you currently. You meet, them, you meet the person out in the field and serving. I think Ms. Miles was mentioning, you know, to um, you know, the men um, and and the different needs of the community, I, I recognize where we may need to adjust um, our process and our operation in order to um, be of best uh, service to the people that we that we that we serve in our community. Um, so, all that said, you know, I just wanted to we kind of spent some time on that particular question, I prolong it. I'm sure there's some other interesting questions, but I did I did definitely want to expand a little bit more on um,
3: what my journey has.
0: Thank you, Ms. Patterson. Um, I wanted to ask Mr. Johnson, uh, what communities um, have you impacted? Um, what diverse
4: communities have you worked in um, and impacted in your role? Um, all kinds. I think um, probably the, the biggest impact is in some of the communities where we do the disaster recovery. Um, one of the probably biggest ones or or at least for me was, was a town of paradise. Um, definitely, definitely don't meet the demographic, um, when I got up there, but a very welcoming community, very, very happy to have, to have the help. Um, and I met a lot of people that that I, I don't think I would have normally met, um, different views of life, different ways of life, but they, um, they all they all opened up really warmly, really accepting of everything that, that we had to do had to offer and they understood that we were there to help um, I think that's kind of where I see the biggest the biggest help in, in just the normal communities we work with and some of the certain programs like the mobile home parks um, you get to meet a, a really diverse population um, and trying to figure out how to help them. Everybody just trying to do best for their family. That's that's kind of the number one thing you see when you when you knock on somebody's door. It's like, Hey, what's what's this? Hey, we need the space. There's six people in this house. I, I get it. Let's let's try not to be too intrusive. Let's try not to be not let's try everything not to knock that knock this thing down and, and, and have all this for not. So I just think being able to get in the communities and, and outreach and, and talk to talk to the people, it's it's really really the impactful part of it.
0: Yes, thank you. Definitely. I totally agree. Uh, we had a comment from a LinkedIn uh, user. The benefits of having a diverse workforce are far-reaching and positively impact the entire community. How do you feel about that, Brian, um, being in a heavily African-American community, um, being that I know a lot about South Fulton, um, how does it benefit you having a um I, I, let me say this: primarily African American um, uh, staff. How does that? How does that? Assist, how does that help you positively and negatively uh, uh, dealing with your community?
1: Okay, that's a great question. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you know when it comes to policing, when it comes to staffing in general, that you know, you wanna have your staff reflect the people that they are serving in most cases, you know, whether that's uh, by gender, by race, uh, demographics and things like that. So you mentioned the fact that, you know, we are predominantly black city, Uh, you know, fun fact, we are actually the most heavily concentrated African-American population in the country. Uh, Our city of South Fulton, which is 92 to 93 percent African-American. That's the highest concentration of any city in America for a city this size of one hundred and eight thousand. So our staff reflects that. And most of the applicants we get is not by choice. It's just the applicants that we get tend to come from this area. You know, people say you have Atlanta and then you have Georgia. So Atlanta, the demographics are quite different than Georgia, which is when you get outside of, you know, the Metro Atlanta area. So our workforce reflects that. Um, uh, As far as the the male to female ratio, we are not by design, but we're about 50-50. So we have a staff of 21, and I think we have 12, including admin staff, and we have uh, 12 female and nine male. And to Ms. Miles' point earlier, some of the best officers, I got some good guys too, they're great, but some of our best officers and the most well-rounded, um and effective are some of the female officers that we have those are some of the go-getters and and um you know they're able to be empathetic and to have that that great skill set so you know it's it's very important to have that balance in everything we have to have balance. as, as men we can be too no, I can't it can be my way or the highway in some cases you know if we don't develop that empathetic you know nature within us it can be compliance or else so they help me to keep me balanced and say well hey look we need to give we need to have a softer approach we need to you know sometimes have a different approach in certain situations so in that way we I think we keep our diversity at, at a high level and just making sure that everybody is heard I saw a quote somebody put in there from uh uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, you know, women should be everywhere that decisions are made. And that is true because that voice has to be reflected. You know, it has to be reflected in order to have good balance and, and making sure that we're being equal and fair. So.
0: I totally agree. Well said, man. I, I Definitely well said. Um, you know, yesterday we spoke on um, racial disparities and, you know, us being all, African-Americans, um, I'm sure we all dealt with that. Now, can you guys tell me, and I'm just gonna, anybody can speak on this, I'm not, it's just a question of anybody. Um, tell me about the time that you guys dealt with some racial disparities and, and, and how did you get it?
2: So if, jump in, can you hear me? Yes can you hear me okay. okay okay awesome if I could just jump in and and, uh, and answer that first if it's okay um, I've actually um, encountered um, what I would consider uh, racial disparity I um, you know a, and, and I'd speak to that from as being a black woman and uh, as a black person and a woman again I initially wanted to um, start to advance my career in the industry. And um, I remember, my, com- you know, my community, there were questions about, you know, um, about, you um, you know, how I was able to advance and um, what types of things. And, you know, my character was called into question and, um, you know, my morale was called into question. Though none of those though lines were never crossed or breached and I moved, it, moved and advanced myself in the most ethical way possible. Um, I experienced um, rumors and, you know, uh, just, you know, just some of the most, um, um, I would say, just just really disgusting, um, um, remarks and comments and things that would come my way. Um, you know, and I, I say that, and, and, and that was years ago. Um, and I, but I recognize that adversity breeds character. Um, you know, some of the same individuals that, um, you know, that, that had things to say back in the beginnings of my career are now some of the closest people to me, interestingly, um, are some of the most, some of the people that, you know, respect my role and my current position. And so, you know, I would just certainly uh, encourage those that, you know, that, that find themselves dealing with any adversity as it relates to either race or gender um, to just keep pushing along, you know, um, the line of work that we're in is definitely challenging in that there are always going to be naysayers. Um, the politics get extremely challenging, but just push through um, and that would just be my contribution to that question. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Ms. Miles, are, On your, you, you are currently on the Women's Leaders and Co-Enforcement Board, correct? Yes. I think I'm having some difficulties. Can you hear me? Mouth?
3: Yes. Yes. I can hear you.
0: Yes. I love the group. A little bit about that. I, I, I know this is a, um, a women leaders in um, code enforcement um, movement. I know it's been about two years. You guys have a conference coming up. Um, tell us about how this was put together and, and how 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 you guys came out with this diverse group of women?
3: Well, actually, I can tell you just a little bit, not too much about it. It's actually women leading code enforcement. Miss Cecilia, um, Sabella, uh, and Pete got together on this. Cece is a a a movement in the industry. I tell you that lady is a go-getter. She's a work, a very ethical and hardworking young lady. She reached out to a bunch of ladies, you know, and said, Hey, we need to get together and, and tell our story. What's going on? How are we making it to the top? How are we promoting um, women in this profession? She knew a lot of women in the industry who were experiencing, like you said, racial disparity uh, in the organization. And she's a um, Hispanic lady, homegrown, and she'll tell you her whole story about how she works her way up to the top. She's currently still growing. She just received a new position um, just recently. We gave her accolades on that. So she thought it would be a good idea to bring together the women across the United States and be able to tell their stories about how we have developed in the industry. This is going to be the second annual conference. I believe last year um, we did a virtual conference. I was one of their presenters um, during this time. And so next month, the March 23rd through the 27th, we'll be in Santa Rosa, California. Um, I'm currently opening up the ceremony as the keynote speaker. And she wanted women with similar professions to come together, tell their stories, continue their education and grow and encourage each other um, to continue to grow. So this is like a really positive movement that she has going on. There were a couple of men um, that attended some of our classes uh, virtually and it was because of the COVID and so much stuff has been going on. Um, Pete Roke has been a driving force behind the technology uh, about this. He made us all look wonderful. I was like, come on, Pete, do your thing, man. Doctor it up. You know how to do the superstars on TV. Go ahead and and photobomb and Photoshop and make all of us ladies look good. So Pete has been super awesome with that. Uh, Marcus Kellum, you got um, great, great men who are pushing wonderful women to be successful. So this is a wonderful opportunity for all of us to come together to encourage each other to um, continue growing. Miss Crystal was there as well, virtually, um, last year. You know, much kudos to her. She's still growing, climbing up the chain. Um, so we definitely are working together so that we can present a positive image um, to this world to show, hey, we are relevant. We make a difference in the workforce. And so that's that's the goal. Like I said, the goal for the conference coming up is be bold, be fierce hey and we are ready we are ready be bold be brave and be fierce
0: i love it i love it uh we we are definitely um i'm excited about it i didn't know it was i mean so me and can right yes you
3: guys can come we we let okay, a few like that.
0: <laughs> i don't want to come to a conference and look crazy now
3: we're not gonna male bash We're not male bashing. <laughs> we love, I'm serious. We're not male bashing because a lot of us, you know, my assistant director here in the city of Houston, um, Director Harris, he is the driving force behind me. This man has set high expectations, and believe me, I try to always exceed it. Of course, our director is a female, Takasha Francis, a force to be reckoned with. But we are not male. Bashing, You know, a lot of men in, in our profession, they encourage us. They teach us. We learn from them. We do an exchange of communication with these guys. So, you know, it, it works out for everybody. We all benefit. So we we welcome men to come to the uh, uh, conference because also it, it teaches you guys how to treat us ladies. <laughs> you know, you teach people how to treat you. I tell you that all the time. I'm going to teach you how to treat me. So definitely, that'll help you wise up in your communication skills when you have work working with some of us headstrong ladies. So hey, you, it, it, it's 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 a great organization. I tell you, it's wonderful. And Miss Crystal, she can definitely attest to that.
0: Oh, we're excited. We, I'm definitely going to attend. Um, now, one thing I was going to ask though, on on the virtual is this: is it do you guys have a, a in person one coming as well? This is yeah. an in person yeah. conference as well, right? This or is a it's a
3: hybrid, hybrid. It's a hybrid yes. conference.
0: Okay, we're definitely going to support you guys um, having uh, women leaders in the in the code enforcement, and, and we support you guys wholeheartedly here in my organization. So we appreciate you, Miss, Miss Patterson. Are you still there? She left off. Okay, she's Well, hey, we have about ten minutes to go, and um, I'm not going to water it down, but I do have you know some more things to talk about. Um, I wanted to know in our boards and our associations, how can we bring this to their attention without ruffling feathers? I know we all deal with issues, the women leaders in code enforcement, um, the other organizations that are for, um, for change, but on this panel, how do you, what do you see us doing to bring about change on the executive level um, as far as diversity and equity and inclusion? And, um, I'm, I'm actually going to ask Mr. Johnson that, Mr. Marcus Johnson. I, I, what do you think we could do on, this, on the executive on the, at this level to bring to the executive level?
4: Without Honestly, working? it's, I, I think, just more more outreach in, in, in different communities. Um, most people don't even know this is a profession or something that they can do. It's something like we've all, like we all, all our stories, we all kind of fall into it. And it's just, it's really getting out and kind of letting them know what, what we do, how we do it and letting people see that there is, there is this option out there for for a good career. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest things that, that we just gotta get out, we gotta get out there and get in front of as many people as possible and let them know that, that this is a viable option. And, and, and here are kind of some of the uh, key things that you would need to, to, to be fruitful in this industry.
0: Perfect. How do you feel about that Ms. Miles? What do you think we can contribute um, I guess on the executive level, uh, to bring this to, to the light of, you know, there are some issues, there are some good and good and bad things we're doing, um, but what do you think, you know, without roughing some feathers, how can we bring this to the forefront of uh, the executive level, um, that diversity, inclusion, and equity is, is needed? I think we got to pause then. Was it a pause, Ms. Miles? Uh-oh. All right. Brian, how do you feel about that? How would you bring that to the, to the you know, the, the forefront of executive levels of that? this? We need diversity, equity, and inclusion without ruffling feathers.
1: Right. Anthony, I, I think the, you know, the way you put it, I, I like the way you put it without, you know, without ruffling feathers, how do we do that? I think what um, Mr. Johnson says it's, it's about exposure at the end of the day. I never knew before I got into this, I, I and many people don't have a clue as to what code enforcement is. They don't know. So I try to explain it in a few different ways. I say, Hey, look with the, with the property police or with the HOA, you know, of the, of the city of the jurisdiction of the municipality. So people just don't know. So we want to get into the schools, we want to, we're doing outreach into the, uh, we're, we're kind of branching out beyond just code enforcement. We want to reach out to our senior citizens and find out what their needs are. Uh, we have aging populations that they can't afford to get, you know, they can't, they can't comply because they can't afford to comply, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't have money to fix the roof and things like that. So we want to get in front of as many people as possible, different groups, um, and so I take every meeting every single meeting, every HOA, every town hall, every meeting I can take because I think it's that important. I think the work that you guys are doing is that important to just get the word out about what we do because it's very important. It's very important for our communities to have a strong code enforcement department. Um, I say after after you lock up the bad guys, you put out the fires, the next thing people start worrying about is quality of life. You know, Once your health and safety issues are taken care of, the next thing you wanna see is, well, I don't want trash on the street. And I don't want the tall grass. And I don't want, you know, the junk vehicle. So we're up next after that when it comes to quality of life issues. So, you know, and just last thing I'll say is just exposure is just us seeing us in different places.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, you don't know you can be something until you see somebody else that is doing that work that looks like you. So it's important that they see us out there and, and you know, just being able to hold our own in these spaces and for somebody to know that that is a potential career path, that you can do the same thing. And this is what that looks like.
0: Well said. Totally agree. Ms. Patterson, are you on today? Are you back on?
2: I- I'm here. Um, are you right? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, yes, I think what everyone said, or what, what Brian, I think what Ryan said was definitely, um, you know, in the right direction. I think what we're doing now is in the right direction. I think what the industry has started to do in the last couple years in terms of, um, you know, um, highlighting and outreach and, you know, bringing, you know, folks from different parts of the country together um, is all... Indicative of moving in the right direction, Um, you know, I don't know how we could maybe even potentially consider, you know, um, some leadership, you know, meetups. I know ACE and some of the other organizations are good about, um, you know, we do conferences. And things of that nature I think oftentimes what tends to happen is You know, you're in a silo in your jurisdiction And unless, if if you're fortunate to be a part of a, a big jurisdiction And you've got multiple people at the table Then, you know, like I said, you're fortunate But when you're in a smaller jurisdiction Sometimes there's resources that you need That it's difficult to get, you know, access to and um, you know sometimes have you know the level of staffing that you might need in order to be able to um, really brainstorm and put together some 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 um, I guess some some practical uh, ways in which to, to engage and outreach in your community so I think um, you know maybe even chapter meetings or chapter leadership meetings um, not chapter excuse me but national leadership meetings um, where you know maybe you know, every now and again, quarterly or what have you, where executives can, you know, have a conversation, meet up, you know, kind of toss ideas around, get a feel for what folks are doing. And, um, you know, so that we can kind of streamline and um, be as effective as, as possible in our, in our in our respective areas.
0: Well said, Miss Patterson. I totally agree. I definitely totally agree. Now, yesterday. Um, I tasked the the panelists with a um, question who was Howard P. Grant. Did anybody research that? Let me see if anybody on LinkedIn or online. Well, if you guys don't know, um, he's actually the first Black student to graduate from the University of California, California, Berkeley, with a Bachelor of Science degree in Civil Engineering in 1948. That same year, he became the first black member of the African, the the first black member of the American Society of Civil Engineers. That's a major accomplishment. Uh, 1948 is not that long ago, Um, but I definitely have to represent and and give kudos to the first black civil engineer. That would be something closely related to code enforcement, meaning that I don't think any of us are civil engineers, maybe Marcus. Um, Nah, far from that. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. having the first Black civil engineer, um, and definitely on the West Coast, I give kudos, um, is, is a major accomplishment. Um, next two minutes, anybody have anything that they want to put out to the panelists on some great things that's happening in their organization, in their city, um, that's actually representing diversity? Equity and inclusion. Anybody want to add something to the panel and
1: give kudos to that city or Brian? I like to give kudos, man. Just to again, man, to Four for Leaf and you guys for man shining shining this spotlight on this profession. And and you know, I love as we talked before, man. We got we, we got a shared history here in this in this area uh, before Pete and Michael stole you out there to California, but. <laughs> Uh, man, we, I, I love where we are. I love what we are as a city. We are, um, you know, very much moving in the right direction. And I just, I'm grateful to be a part of it. So, you know, I, I, appreciate what Crystal mentioned before about doing some leadership and executive meetings. I think that's a great idea to kind of keep some ideas flowing and keep, uh, keep this profession moving in the right direction. But, uh, thank you guys, man. Thank you for having me, hey man. We appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you,
0: um, give me that shout out. Um, I appreciate South Fulton, definitely, um, for paving the way for me. Um, I started there in my career 15 years ago, but it was Fulton County. Um, So I definitely appreciate you guys for for lifting me up and and putting me in the position that I am right now. I'm grateful for Forley, for for having this panel. Discussion is definitely needed. Um, I'm thankful for the chapter. I'm thankful for everybody uh, for putting me in this position and and, and learning over the years. Um, But I think us uh, celebrating Black History Month um, as, as minority professionals um, is, is, is a good thing. Um, but I think you bring everybody together, all races, we're, we're a majority, so it wouldn't be a minority. I think putting everybody together in one pot and calling majority is, is a majority is a good thing. I think what we're doing here is bringing the light to what's needed. Um, Equity, inclusion, and diversity are three things that are needed. Uh, And in our division, we definitely and and code enforcement definitely um, is shining the light. uh, And I appreciate you guys. Happy uh, Black History Month! I appreciate the panelists. You guys have an awesome day. Be safe out there,
4: and um, God bless. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you all.